We love Him because He first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. That's plain talk, isn't it? Anybody have any trouble understanding that? We don't need to look at the original language to understand that, do we? He's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And then in chapter 5 and verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Amen. And who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. You're an overcomer if you believe. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. I want to speak today on the theme, the test of love. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this passage of Scripture. I thank you for what you've shown to me. I pray that you'd help me to give uh, to your people what you'd have me to give and be with the words of my mouth and help me, Lord, to say things that are honoring to the Word of God and things that are helpful here and that that lift us up, build us up. Lord, I thank you uh, for this church and for each and every soul that's here and for the precious children that we have here in our care. And I pray, Lord, that they'd all grow up to know you. Uh, to believe on Jesus Christ and to love you and serve you. And Lord, um, I just pray for those that are not able to be with us today, that are maybe sick or not well, maybe plan to be here and couldn't be. I just pray that you'd en- uh, encourage them and cheer them. I pray for he- healing, for strength. And Lord, that you'd, uh, that you'd help us, Lord, as we uh, go about our lives and our ministries here to love one another. In Jesus' name, Amen. So again, the the test of love. What is the test of love according to God's Word? Well, the test of our love uh, is something very different than I think than what we would would come up with. I think for us, if you ask me the question, or if I ask you the question, do you love God? Uh, We might say, yes, I I believe that I do. I feel it in my heart. I maybe feel a warmth in my heart when I think about God. And I say, you you do, you believe you love God then? And and you say, yes, I do. And and, uh, you might be very, very sincere in that. But you might not really love God. Not according to His Word. Because the test of our love is not our sincerity, however sincere we might be. That's not the test of our love. And if, if I said, do you love God? Or if you asked me, do I love God? And I would say, uh, yes, I do love God because I believe in God, you know. And, and I come to church and, and I read the Bible and I, and I pray and, 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 uh, and I support, you know, the gospel ministry. And I, I love God, right? I love God and... And uh, you might say to me, um, all of those things are good and fine and everything, but that's, that's not the test of true love. That's not the test of 
loving God, uh, you might do all of those things, but that's not it. You know, what, what is the test of true love? Well, I think what we can do is we can, we can rate our love this morning, you know. You heard of that before, people getting on Google, and it seems like people rate everything these days. Give you one star, two stars, three stars, five stars, you know, and even leave a review. I've heard of people even reviewing their mom's kitchen. What do you say about your mom's kitchen? No kidding. I've heard it, it happens. What do you say about your mom's kitchen? <clears throat> Food's pretty good, but the service is slow. Three stars. You know, what, what do you say? Um, I, five stars for my mom's kitchen, amen. But uh, people rate everything. Well, what if God rated your love this morning? Don't you think we ought to test our love and see if we really do love God the way that He says that we should? I think we should. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> let's look at our text again. And my first point is, is just that. The test of our love. What is the test of our love according to the Bible? We're just going to look mainly at verse 20, 21 and, and uh, chapter 5, first couple of verses there. But verse 20 of chapter 4. If a man say, so there's the test. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. You see? Love for your brother. God says that that's, that's how you test your love for me. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And let's just be clear about this. When we're talking about our love for our brother, we're talking about God's family. This is a family love. This is a love for God's children. And if you're reading the, God, or the book of 1 John over and over and over and over again, John is saying, love your brother, love your brother, love your brother. I mean, it's in there all through the letter. And if you look back in chapter 3 and verse 23, it'll explain a little bit more, kind of give us the backdrop. What is the test of our love? <clears throat> verse 23 of chapter 3 says, And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Have you believed on His name, trusted in Him for salvation? That's one commandment. And look at this, and love one another as he gave us commandment. He commanded us to love one another. John had been saying that in this letter. And you, you could also uh, notice in verse 11 of chapter 3, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning. That is, when you first heard about Jesus and you heard about His teachings, you heard that Jesus told us that we should love one another. This is not talking about love for your neighbor. This is not talking about love for your enemies. This is talking about love, family love for one another. And it's a commandment. So here's, here's the true test for your love for God. Whether or not you obey His commandments. And in this book, two commandments is John dealing with. One, love God. Other, love your brother. You see, we might say, look, I love my neighbor. I love my neighbor. I take care of him. You know, I don't do anything wrong to him. If something happens, you know, or something that they have gets on my property, or, you know, I, I help them out, or if there's something happening on their property, I go and help them out, and... I love my neighbor, and you might even say, I've even loved my enemy before, you know, and I've turned the other cheek. But how's your love for your brother? How's your love right here? How's your love in the family of God? That's the test 
of true love. Our obedience to what God actually told us to do. And Jesus said this in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15. He said, if ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. Jesus said, if you want to show me that you really love me, keep my commandments. What are his commandments? To believe on him and to love one another. To love your brother. So if you want to show him your love, you do it by keeping God's commandments. You see, that's the test. Isn't that different than what we might have thought that it would be? That's his test. Because back in chapter 4 at the end, he said, look, it's just this simple. If you can't love your brother that you can see and live with and walk with and talk with, if you can't love him, how can you love me? You, You can't see me. You don't have to interact with me on a daily basis. You see, that's what God is saying. Not in the flesh. He said, if you can't love your brother, don't kid yourself. (laughs) Don't kid me. Don't kid your grandma. You don't love God if you don't love your brother. Isn't that what it says? So, I want to say this, just to make it real clear. This is not the test of our salvation. I'm talking about the test of our love, not our salvation. Two different things. The test of our salvation is what we believe. In chapter 5, verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You see? That's the test of our salvation, what we believe. It's not obedience. It's what we believe. Yes, it's obedience to the gospel in that sense. But a belief is not a work. The test of our salvation is the same as John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, and that believing, ye might have life through His name. He did not say, These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by your works you might have eternal life. He didn't say that. He didn't say, by your baptism, you might have eternal life. That's not what he said. He said, by believing. He didn't say, by your church membership. When you join the the one true church, then you have eternal life. He didn't say that. He said, believing. He didn't say, by speaking in tongues. He didn't say that. He said simply, by believing. He did not say, by your love for God, you will have eternal life. He didn't say that. He did not even say, by your love for your brother, you will have eternal life. He said simply, by believing. It's all through the Gospel of John. We went through it on Wednesday night. It's this simple, folks. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And that being the Son of God, He died for your sins was buried and rose again the third day, proving that God accepted His sacrifice, proving that God was pleased with that. Do you believe that Jesus, as the Son of God now, has power to forgive your sins? Do you? He has power to forgive all your sins? Okay. Do you believe He has power to give you eternal life? What if I said I can give you eternal life? Hey, I'm clergy, man. I don't think about myself that way, but I'm clergy. I got a direct line to God. You want to go to God, you got to get through me. I'll give you absolution. What would you say? You'd say, You're nuts, you're a liar. Jesus has 
the power to give you eternal life. Do you believe that? All right, then you're saved. Now, if you believe this, yeah, but I got to do something on my part. You're not saved. You're not really trusting Jesus Christ. Your confidence ultimately is in what you do with it. And that's not salvation. That's a perversion of the gospel. He even says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. You see? So it's, it's belief. That's the test of our salvation. Okay? Don't let yourself be deceived by your feelings, either in the matter of salvation or in the matter of your love for God. Don't be deceived by your feelings. You know, Martin Luther, he was a great German reformer. And he wrote a poem about feelings, and it is just packed full of truth. And uh, basically what he was going to say in this, I kind of wanted to give you the background so that you understand what he's saying. He's saying that feelings are a bad indicator of our true spiritual condition, either of salvation or our love for God. For instance, there may, may be a time in your life when you doubted your salvation. So don't trust your feelings. You prayed and you sought the Lord earnestly for answers. And then Jesus came to you and confirmed the promises of the Bible to your heart. And then you realized that you were simply fooled by your feelings. You were saved all along. You were saved, but you doubted, you see. And so he brought you back to belief in the promises of God. Feelings cannot be trusted. Do not trust your feelings. Here's uh, Martin Luther's poem. Feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, none else is worth believing. Though all my heart should feel condemned for want of some sweet token. That is, I I ought to feel more love for God. He said, even though my heart condemns me. There's one greater than my heart whose word cannot be broken. I'll trust in God's unchanging word till body and soul are severed. For though all things should pass away, his word shall stand forever. We should always test our lives by the word of God, not by our feelings. You say, I'm sincere in my love for God. Do you love God the way he says to love him? He said, if you want to show me you love me, obey me. Obey my commands in love one another. You know, even in salvation, strong emotions are not required for a person to be saved from sin's penalty. Let me illustrate. If one person comes down at the invitation and he and he comes down to accept Jesus Christ, he's crying and and he with heavy sobs says to me, I just need to get saved, preacher. And uh and I bring him to the altar and we pray together and I tell him to believe on Jesus Christ and to trust him and he will. He'll save you today, right now. You can be saved right now. But what about if another man comes down and there's no tears at all? Not a whole lot of emotion, but he means business. And he gets down and prays and his eyes are dry. He got saved too. It's what he believed that matters, you see. We, we all have different kind of Emotional states and capacities, a lot of things can affect our emotions, you know. But listen, if you don't have that settled today, if you don't have the matter of salvation settled, get it settled. Pray and read the Gospel of John until you have it settled. And then, and then you can have it just nailed down. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. You need to do that. But after you're saved, 
God has some commandments for us to obey. All right, so let me, let me go on here. You may say that you love God, but look, if a man does not love his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Verse 21, And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So if we don't love our brother, if there's something between us and a brother, we're kidding ourselves if we say we love God. We're not being honest with ourselves. To put it plainly, John says you're a liar. Your actions and not your feelings are the test of true love, you see. Even in chapter 5, verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. They're, they're not hard. God, God doesn't give us a commandment that we're not able to do. You know, we can't say, oh, they're too hard. I can't keep God's commandments. How can I possibly do this to show Him my love? Paul says they're not grievous. Uh, but you can't do it in your flesh. The problem, when we, have, when we have problems between a brother or sister in Christ, the problem is, is we got in the flesh. And if we'd been walking in the Spirit, we would have been able to have patience. And uh, love somebody even that's hard to love. Because Christians, of all people in the world, can be very hard to love, can't they? I mean, not me. Not me. Some of you, probably. You know? But we are. We're hard to love sometimes. Because we're struggling with this you know, dual nature. It's almost like we've got a split personality or something. We've got the old man, the flesh. He's very much alive and well. And then you've got the new man. And you've got this struggle. And they're both fighting against each other. Fight, fight, fight all the time. And the one that wins is the one that you feed. So if you're, if you're reading your Bible and you're praying and, you know, and you're really coming to church and trying to get something and trying to do something for the Lord and that kind of thing, and you're walking in the Spirit and you're, you're yielding to the Spirit and you're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you know, you're going to be able to do this through the Spirit because love is a fruit of the Spirit. You know? So it's not grievous, it's not hard, but, but you have to admit that uh, you can't do it on your own. And we need the Holy Spirit. So when we have problems with our brethren... Problems that seem unresolved, unforgiveness and things, you just got to know that that's just a sin and it needs to be judged. And Somebody's in the flesh and it needs to be judged. So uh, let me say some things about that that I think will be practical and helpful. My second point is this, the truth of love. I looked at the test of love. Now here's the truth of love. The command to love God and your brother, they're inseparable. That is, you... you you can't break them apart. They're one and the same. Not one and the same, but they're inseparable. So in verse 20, he says that about if you can't love your brother. He says in verse 21, the commandment is to love God and love your brother also. And we see that they're inseparable. In other words, God is saying, if you don't love your brother, you're not loving me the way that I told you to do it. That's the truth of love. That's the truth of love. It's not impossible. But you know... What we're talking about here is we're not talking about the world's sense of love. The world's sense of love is perverted and twisted. I'm not referring to that. You know, human love says this, I'll love you if you love me back. That's human love. I could say a lot of other things about human love that I'd like to say right now, but I'm not going to. But uh, suffice it to say this, the world's love is often just lust and infatuation you have oftentimes young people who go from one relationship to another and they say, I love her or I love him. And it's not love, it's infatuation. 
it's lust. It's short-lived, and then you're on to the next. Same thing happens in adult relationships. I just don't feel like he loves me anymore. And so wife steps out on a husband. Man says, I don't feel like she respects me anymore, and I'm not as attracted as what I used to be. And so a man steps out on his wife. And they, they, they run on somebody else, and they say, I love this person. I love this person. I even think it's God's will for me to divorce my spouse and remarry to this person. It ain't God's will. The world's love is sick and twisted. The world's love is it's, it's selfish. It's greedy. It's, uh, it's jealous. It's controlling. It's, it's self-centered. And when you stop giving me what I want, then I'm done with you. Or once I've exhausted all the pleasure that I can get from you, I'll move on to somebody else. You know what that amounts to eventually? Just unfaithfulness. Uh, let me say something to the guys in here. Uh, I don't care how old you are. When you're looking for a woman, look for a woman like your mom. And when you're looking for a girl to get serious about, you look for a girl who, who is not doing those things that I just talked about. You look for a girl who's a good Christian girl, church-going girl, and she's waiting for marriage. Because if you don't, what you'll get is you'll get somebody who will be unfaithful to you. That's, that's just the truth of the matter. A girl who's going from one relationship to another, to another, to another in high school is just rehearsing for a divorce. Rehearsing for an adulterous, unfaithful marriage. That's the truth of the matter. So there that was. Smile. It's all right. God loves you. You know, the world's love is, is not what I'm talking about. And this is what I mean by that. This is what I really meant by that. God's love is just one way. God's love says, I will love you no matter what. I'll love you even if I don't get it in return. Is that not what verse 19 says of chapter 4? We love him because he first loved us. God loved us before we ever loved him. The world's love is reciprocal. I'll love you if you love me back. If you stop loving me back, I'll stop loving you. That's human love. That's no good. God's love is one way. I will love you until you love me back. That's what God's word says. Guess what? That's the same kind of love we need to show to our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Say, I will love you until you love me back. Now, you might not be able to have fellowship with a brother or sister in Christ. Uh, If they've done something wrong, you can't have fellowship with them until they repent of it and get it right with you. But then once they get it right, then you can can love them and have fellowship with them. Your, Your relationship will be all right. You know, the same thing is true of God. God will always love us. But if we're doing wrong, if we're disobedient, we can't have fellowship with God. But God will keep loving us until we are obedient. And then when we are obedient and get things set right with God then God will have fellowship with us. He'll have a relationship with us. That's how our love and fellowship works. To God and to believers, you see. But you're still responsible to love, even if you can't have fellowship with your brother in Christ. You know, let me illustrate this. What if I was unkind to your child? I mean me, Pastor John. What if I was unkind to your child? Would we have a very good relationship? No. God says, if you're unkind to my child, we're not going to have a very good relationship. What if I made your child feel dumb and unwanted? 
What if I yelled at him or her severely and then I didn't feel bad about it? I didn't apologize. What if I struck your child in the face and refused to apologize? What if I said, you will never amount to anything. You're messed up. You mess up everything you touch. You're not worth fooling around with. Would you feel the love for me? No. What if your child went away from church and I was glad that your child was gone? What if I talked to other people in the church about it and I said, I'm glad. I'm glad they're gone. What if I ignored your child in public and then spread rumors about your child when he was gone? What if I refused to talk to your child and, uh, and I leave whenever he comes around and avoid him? Would you accept my love toward you? It wouldn't be love at all, but you know, that's exactly what we do to God's children sometimes. We do all of those things to God's children. been many business meetings in Baptist churches where men stand up and strike one another. Fighting over something that the church has got to do. Great divisions that happen in churches because of these things. Our actions are the measure of our love to God and to our brother. Our actions. How we feel and what we say means very little to nothing. If our actions don't back it up, right? Um, Let me, uh, since it's Valentine's Day coming up, uh, let me say a word to men, all right? So uh, the young people in here, you're off the hook. I'm not going to talk about anything else about young people and, and your life. But let me say something to men. What about our love for our wives? If your wife is saved, she's a child of God too, right? Okay. Um, if we say, I love you, but we don't pick up our dirty clothes, we never take out the trash, and we never do the dishes, do we really love our wives? You do that long enough and you'll find out that they don't feel loved. You say, the Bible doesn't say that I should do dishes. Are you, are you sure about that? Did you know that the Bible actually does say that men should do the dishes? You want me to show you? All right, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to 2 Kings 21, just real quick. 2 Kings 21 and verse 13. Okay, look at it here. It says... Uh, And I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. And listen to it. And I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish. Wiping it and then turning it upside down. You see, the Bible does say that men are supposed to do the dishes. Amen. So ladies, if your man's not doing the dishes, you can can point to scripture. Right there, you can say, look, you're not being obedient to what the Bible says. You need to help me out. You know, if you never take time to listen to what your wife is talking about, you don't really love her. Because listen, it's not in what you say, it's not in how you feel, it's in your actions. Well, I just I came up with a list because I just kept going on and on and on. So here, here's a list. Since Valentine's Day is coming up, um, think about these things. And here's, here's a few ideas. How do you show a little bit of love to your wife? Buy secret snacks and leave them where she'll find them. Do a load of laundry or two. Give her a back rub and a foot rub. Order in one night when she's had a real busy week. Write spontaneous love notes and then text them to her. Do that project around the house that she talks the most about. Say thank you often 
ask her how she's feeling or how things went today, and then listen. Like, really listen. Did you notice the first word in all of those was buy, do, give, order, write, do, say, ask? What is that? Those are uh, action words. This is love in action. You know, you might say, I love you. Or you might not even do that anymore. And you might try to prove the sincerity of your love if she asks. But the way that you do it is by doing it. Men, do you ever pray for your wife? Do you ever pray for your wife? Do you even know how to pray for your wife? Do you even know what she's going through? Do you even know how she's feeling or the struggles that she's facing or the temptations? The way that the enemy is is positioning himself to destroy her? You, You don't know any of that if you're not talking to her. So you love somebody by showing them your actions. You know, lastly, uh, I have the token of our love. The test of our love, the truth of our love, and the token of our love. In chapter 5 and verse 1, basically what I'm saying uh, is that we ought to love in word and in deed. Both of them. Love in word and deed. You know, God's commandments, as uh, John said, are not grievous. They're not hard. They're not impossible in verse 3. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. But you know, there's a token of love that we can, we can show to God. That we can give to God. And you know, a token, that's a word that we don't use very often, but it's a good one. A token in friendship or in a relationship is like a memorial, a gift to give to somebody. And then every time that they see that gift, they can remember your friendship or remember your love. You know what I mean? I I spent some time making some music with a pastor down in Kentucky and I sang at their camp there. And me and uh, Stephen Griffiths became friends after that. And he recorded some music for myself and my sister and... um, after we got done recording, um, we, we, we hit it off and struck up a little bit of a friendship there. But after we got done recording, he gave me a guitar pick. And uh, it's a blue chip guitar pick. And so you can buy these things and then you can have them personalized. So he put a scripture verse on there, Colossians 3.16, about music. And, and he gave that to me. And it's, ex- it's an expensive gift. It's not cheap. Uh, but that was a token of our friendship, so that any time I get that guitar pick out and play my guitar, I can remember, you know, he thought enough of me and of our friendship that he got me this gift to remind me, because sometimes we can doubt, can't we? The enemy can put thoughts into our minds. And so, what could we do to give God a token of our love to him? And God says simply this, you don't have to buy me anything, I've got everything. (laughs) There's nothing you can buy me. It's like my mom, nothing you can buy her. got everything. Uh, except for maybe some chocolate-covered strawberries. We do chocolate-covered fruit, because that's always good, right? But what can you give to God? All God wants is for you to give Him your heart and to put it in the right place, to love your brothers and your sisters in Christ. You know, are you truly yielded to the Holy Spirit in this matter? Um, He can empower you to do this, 
to give God a token of your love. And uh, the thing is, is that we've got to love all God's children, not just the ones that are in our church, not just the ones that are even in our denomination, if they're truly saved. And, it's, and all they have to do is believe on Jesus Christ to be saved. So we've got to love all God's children. It, we can't necessarily have fellowship with all of them due to doctrinal errors, but we've got to love them. We've got to love them. That means, you know, you can't ignore them when you drive past them. <laughs> or when you see them in the store. Uh, think of them and pray for them. You know, a good way to, to stir up some love for somebody in your heart, a good way to do it is to pray for them. Pray for... If you've got a brother or sister that's an enemy right now, start praying for them. I'm just trying to help you obey God's commandments. You know, I've got people like this. I've got people like this too, and I've prayed for them, even given them a, a, a note to say, I forgive you. And if you forget, or if you doubt that, you can always open up this card and see, I forgive you. And I want you to be right with God, and I want you to be used by God, and if me and you can't get along here or have fellowship, I, I still want God to get glory out of your life, and I want you to know I forgive you, and I mean it. But I can't do that without God's help. Amen. <laughs> you know, these things are impossible. Uh, it's a divine love. It's a heavenly love. So let me just wrap this up by saying that feelings can be misleading. Not only in salvation, but also in our service. So, some thought-provoking questions. Have you ever felt that you were doing well in your service to the Lord? Or have you ever felt that you, you loved the Lord only to realize that you were wrong? And that God could not possibly be pleased with your life and your ministry for Him? Because your feelings are not a good indicator, not a good measure of your life. On the other hand, have you ever felt that you were doing a poor job? Only to see that later on, you were doing the best that you could. And that you were actually doing what God's Word said to do. But your feelings deceived you. You were doing fine. You know, Sometimes we feel inferior to others just because we don't have the same ministry that they do, or we don't get noticed like they do, or we don't have what they have, and we feel inferior, feelings can be deceiving. It's a lie from the devil to say, I just don't feel like I'll ever amount to anything. That's a lie. The truth is, is that you can do what God wants you to do to show Him your love. And this is the highest, this is the highest experience of Christian living. Do you know that? This is the highest. This is it. This is the top. This is the pinnacle. If you do this, you have reached the heights of Christian living. If you obey these commandments, to love God and love one another. That's it. So listen, you don't have to be in a big church or in a big city. You don't have to have the spotlight or have notice and recognition and everybody knows your name and all that kind of stuff. You don't have to be a Billy Graham to have the height of Christian experience. All you have to do is just be where you are with the people that God put you with and love them. Truly love them in action. That's the height of it. And don't trust your feelings. You know? The truth is, is that we are overcomers through Christ. Verse 5 of chapter 5. We have overcome the world through belief in Jesus Christ. And we have the victory. And the victory that overcomes is our faith. You know, whatever you do, 
Whatever you do, obey my text. That's the authority of a preacher, the Bible. Obey my text. If you do nothing else but this, you will know that God is pleased. God is receiving your love. Don't miss God's will. Don't try to do everything else but this. Do this. Do this. Be a vessel. Just be like a vessel that carries God's love to others. Because when you do that, people are feeling God's love. They're receiving God's love through you. Like I said at the beginning of this, let's just suppose that Joe Offenberger is lying on a bed of sickness. A man who was a drunk and a lost Roman Catholic before he got saved and then went on to start churches in the Appalachian region of the states, then to be a missionary in Romania and Moldova and start churches and start a Bible college, and uh, then to come back to the states and pastor here in Dresden, and now he has a brain tumor. And having done all of that for the Lord, the churches who have supported his ministry and his wife, what if they didn't remember him in his hour of need? What if they didn't send a note to say we... Are thinking of you. What if a pastor didn't come visit him in, in, in the hospital? He wouldn't feel very loved, would he? We got to show it. We got to show it. Let's, let's stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Today, if you're not saved, I don't know that I'm speaking to anybody here today that's not saved, but if you're not saved, I want to invite you to come forward to this altar at this time. And you can come down while we're singing, and, and I'd be glad to show you just how easy it is for us to get saved. Jesus did all the hard work. For us, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking around, I just want to say, uh, just brother to brother, from one child of God to another child of God, let's love one another. Let's love one another. And overcome anything that's between you and another brother and sister. You have no excuse. You've got to love them. There's no loophole in this commandment. You've got to love them. You might not be able to have fellowship unless they get it right on their end. The relationship might not be restored, but you've got to love them. Sometimes one of the cruelest things that we can do is withhold from somebody uh, uh, our, our forgiveness. We've got to tell them, I forgive you. We've got to tell them that you can, you can get past this. You can get this right with God. And we got to show them that we love you no matter what. Some Christians are real hard to love, but we got to love them all the way till they get home to glory. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless this message, Lord. Thank you for it. Lord, that you'd have your will and your way with it. I pray that you'd help us to see the difference between the world's love, human love, and your love. That you love no matter what until... We love you back and obey your commandments. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. 257, please. If you're not saved, you want to come get it settled, you can do that today. Please come.